that's the music. That means it's week two for the Commitment Issues podcast covering the southeast over here at Rivals.com. I'm Rob Cassidy. I cover the states of Florida, Alabama, and Mississippi for Rivals.com. And I'm joined by Woody Womack. Woody, what do you do at Rivals.com? Well, that's a good question. In- intimidate people on Twitter mostly. Uh, <laughs> I cover uh, Florida. Or I've covered a little bit of Florida with you, but Georgia is my mainstay along with Tennessee, Kentucky, and South Carolina. You keep trying to take Florida from me. No, believe me, you can have it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so this week, uh, you know, lots of things to cover, I think. Uh, it seems like last week we spent a bulk of the time talking about Georgia. Uh, this week, <laughs> we will open the show once again talking about Georgia. A lot going on with the Bulldogs. Um, you know, you want to share your thoughts on kind of what happened there with, with Georgia and Kentucky this weekend? Well, you know, Georgia got the win that they wanted. It was it was kind of crazy. I mean, last week we we touched on stuff, and I briefly mentioned the Jeremy Pruitt rumors, that, that and I didn't really get into context. And then the next day, it seemed like the story went uh, went big with some of the local papers and stuff reporting actual incidents that had occurred and everything like that. And then you had Mark Richt come out and tweet his support for Pruitt, which was odd, I think, for everybody involved to see something like that happen. So. Georgia, though, they come out and win, and so that obviously we both know that kind of quiets a lot of the talk, but uh, you can believe that every coaching staff in the Southeast is now using those rumors against Georgia, especially you know with some of these high-profile defensive guys, five stars like Miko Hardman and a, a top-ranked guy like Derek Brown. I mean, it's negative recruiting season for sure, and honestly, uh, even if they win out, I, I can't imagine Pruitt stays because if they win out, He'll probably have a better opportunity or a different opportunity that he wants to take. And if they don't, uh, I think I think he's gone. But from afar, what have you seen? I mean, what have what, what's what's been your view of the situation? You, you know what's real interesting to me, and you, you noted this a little bit as far as the negative recruiting goes, is I think we need to talk about Isaac Nada. Um, I think that you know he visited Alabama this weekend. Uh, he's a five-star tight end at IMG. Obviously, everybody kind of assumed that he was going to land at Georgia. It's where he's from. Uh, now, all this going on, <laughs> combined with his interest in Michigan and the fact that he took an official visit to Alabama this weekend, uh, I think it has to make you wonder if that's still as set in stone as it was. I, I think that there's a real chance that they could lose not in either Michigan or Alabama, uh, depending on how things go and, and with the forefront on the field. Uh, you know, He's got to be at least second-guessing this ordeal with everything that's going on there. Uh, so barring Georgia turning around, uh, Rick solidifying himself as the head coach there going forward, and Georgia really closing out the season strong. Uh, I think it'll be interesting to watch Nada signing day gets closer. Well, I think this weekend is is make or break. Really, I think it's going to be okay. They play Auburn. They win. They win that game. Then I, I have to imagine they're going to win out. If they lose this weekend, then they're probably headed to eight and four, which is not a bad year. And like you said last week, if you get rid of Mark Richt, you better have a good name in mind. Personally, the the way I see this situation shaking out now, win or lose next week, is I think Rick stays, and I think the coordinators go. So, uh, as long as Rick stays, I think they hang on to a, a lot of the guys they're after, especially guys already committed like Jacob Eason. If Rick goes, uh, Eason, you know everything's gonna everything's gonna break loose, and Eason all of a sudden becomes in play for for several schools, including Florida. Um, and that was one of the rumors, again, that was floating around last week. Our Georgia site had an interview with his dad where he essentially squashed the rumors. And so I, I actually read into that a little bit. What did you think of Eason's dad saying, well, we're in communication with Florida just a little bit, just in case? 
look, man, you and I have been around recruiting a while. Uh, anytime anybody talks about plan B or just in case, uh, that's always being downsold. Um, there's more to that. <laughs> I think you know that. I think I know that. I think anybody that's covered recruiting for any length of time knows that. Uh, it's never just a backup plan. Uh, as soon as you open the door up to another school, especially if you're a quarterback that's so highly thought of as Eason, uh, they're going to try to kick through it, and they're going to try to get you on campus, and there's going to be contact there, and there's going to be frequent contact there. Just the fact that they did admit to talking to Florida is enough to tell you that maybe they're a little bit uncertain as to what's going on at Georgia and where they stand with, with the Bulldogs, I think. Now, I'm not by any means saying that East will flip to Florida, because I think you're right. I think if Rick retains his job and throws enough people over the side of the ship to uh, to hang on, that you know he probably will. East probably will sign with Georgia. But... Should the worst happen over there, I think Florida's positioned itself well uh, with Eason and with you know Felipe Franks too, the LSU commit. He's another one that they've kind of targeted, but we'll talk to them, talk about that a little bit later in the show, I think. Yeah, well, so so well, let's let's sort of explore, I guess, a little bit about just first of all, in defense of Eason for the Georgia fans, you uh, if you're a kid in his position, you know you're one of the top quarterbacks in the country. You've been committed for for two years now. You have to keep an eye open. People always say commit to the school, not the coach. I, I think that's unrealistic because, you know, say say they bring in, you know, someone who's going to run the hurry-up uh, spread. That, that's not Easton's strong suit, you know. So he, he has to keep an eye open, and that's why I think all of a sudden, you know, Florida's got just a, just a tiny bit in the door. Now, you mentioned Felipe Franks. You know, Florida, boy, what a – Talk about a weekend for them. They they slept walk through the the Vanderbilt game, barely came out on top. Treon Harris did just enough to get by. Uh, Franks was on campus, and he's the guy that we've we've heard more than Eason being targeted. Florida's gone after several other commits. I think Dwayne Haskins, who's committed to Maryland, they were trying to work on him. They talked to uh, Tylen Oden for quite a while too, who's committed to Louisville up in Tennessee. But Franks seems to be the guy. What's the vibe you kind of getting on that situation? Franks is one that will tell you he is 100% committed to LSU. He's also one that will tell you he's not visiting other schools until you find out that he's visiting Florida. So, you know, there's a little bit of sneaking going on there, and understandably so. I mean, nobody really wants to come out in the media and say, a committed kid especially, and say, hey, I'm going to visit the school. So, you know, I understand why Franks is doing it. But that does make it hard to kind of gauge the real interest. Um, you know, now he's saying, you know, I'm just looking around, taking visits to take visits. I'm still 100% committed to LSU. But, as you know, <laughs> what does that really mean? When signing day gets closer, uh, you know, these things tend to, these backup plans tend to become plan A. Uh, we've seen that happen a hundred times. Um, what I do know is that Florida does need a quarterback in this class. They don't have one. Um, they've got Jake Allen, the great 2017 quarterback, in the next class. Uh, but they're going to steal somebody's quarterback. Somebody's candy is getting taken. Uh, it's just a matter of who's. <laughs> yeah, I... And, and with them continuing to win, I think if you're a fan of another school, if you're an LSU fan or if you're a Georgia fan, you needed them to lose that game to Vanderbilt and lose some of that momentum. Now they're going to be playing in the SEC championship game up here in Atlanta. They're going to have that showcase game to show to people and then, and then have a chance to close that final weekend before the dead period in mid-December. And I'd be worried, I, frankly. I would be a little nervous, if I'm, if, especially if I'm LSU with Franks, because, because LSU's got a young quarterback. Uh, that, who's going to be there? I mean, Will, with Will Greer being suspended, Florida can tell him, "Look, you will play immediately. You'll play next year. You'll be our guy." And then Greer's going to have to win the job back from you. So, boys, they're going to get somebody. And I, I hear they're they're working on flipping other players too. I think uh, 
Eli Stove was down there, is committed to Auburn. Do you think Florida can close strong in this class? Do you see them stealing some of these guys? I think that, I think you mentioned one that I think they're going to steal. I think they're going to get Stove. Stove has got a lot. Is close with Jake Allen now. They've been talking. I know that for a fact. Uh, he was on campus. It's an in-state school. And okay, here's the thing: if you're Florida, there isn't a lot. There's not a better product you can sell in recruiting than the combination of being in the SEC and being successful in the SEC. Uh, and they're on the verge of being able to do that. Uh, you know, they're the SEC. They're an SEC school with history, and now they're going to play for an SEC championship in prime time. All these recruits' eyes on them. But a lot of kids want to play in the SEC, and you know, on top of that, they want to play for a successful program in the SEC. And there are probably only three or four schools every year that can offer both of those things. And, uh, the way Florida's trending, I think they're really, really scary on the recruiting show right now. And I think Stove has become you know, target 1A for them. Uh, they've also targeted Keith Gavin, who I do not think they'll get because they came in a little bit late there, uh, the wide receiver out of Kala, who is Felipe Franks' teammate, actually. But I think Stove is, is a realistic possibility for the Gators. All right, well, one of the teams that's not maybe had the momentum on the field this year or or in recruiting, really, Missouri. We know uh, all kinds of stuff went on there up this, this week off the field with the players protesting and everything like that and some of the racial issues. Uh, that that have seemed to really ignite the fan, the, you know, the, the student body there with the protests and everything. The question is, do you think something like that impacts recruiting? I mean, we don't want to talk too much about the original source material that's been covered, but do, do racial issues like that, do you think that'll impact Mizzou going forward? Uh, I think racial issues definitely do impact recruiting. Uh, the specific one at Missouri, I don't know. Uh, I think it could have been a very bad thing. Uh, for their recruiting if Gary Pinkle didn't come out and support his players. And, you know, I hate to be as cynical as I am, but I think there had to be something to that. Uh, I mean, obviously, you know, it, it's great that he feels the way he felt and that he came out in support of his players for whatever the reasons were. But I think, you know, at least a little bit of that had to be football-related, the way that he reacted to that situation. I think uh, standing with his players in that situation, uh, however you feel about it, uh, is probably a better thing for recruiting than if it went in the opposite way he never mentioned it. Yeah, I, boy, I don't know. I mean, the, the school that really get, the school that gets this the worst, or the schools that get this the worst, are Ole Miss and Mississippi State. Uh, you know, obviously, some things have happened at Ole Miss. You know, over the years, uh, and you'll hear, you know, you'll hear kids tell tell me that say they try to use that as a, as a negative aspect. You know, uh, racial tension. I I don't know. I now I know kids paid attention to this. The problem is, especially here in the South. Mizzou just hasn't made that impact, especially with the top-ranked guys. They they go out and try to find some sleepers. They just had a kid leave the team who was from Tennessee, who was kind of a stretch when they took him anyway. He was a low three-star. And they're trying to hit on some of those guys. Now, they've done a good job of taking guys that maybe we've missed, we haven't ranked high enough, and then turning them into stars. I mean, we see the guys who get drafted. Uh, but the problem is, in order to compete, you know, I think on a year-in, year-out basis, and like I said, they won two East Division championships, they've got to have to get in and get some of these highly, highly ranked guys. I mean, you know, Nate, Nate Brown has been their biggest win down here to date. He was a four-star wide receiver out of Atlanta. They beat Georgia and South Carolina for him because they came on late. But other than that, I, I just I haven't seen it. So I think lo- regionally, locally up there, I don't know how big of an issue it's going to be because that's still where their main recruiting base is in Missouri and in Texas. Um, so... They want it to be Florida, though. I mean, they're really – they've done some work there, too. You know, it should be said that they've made some inroads there since joining the SEC. Uh, they've really recruited better in Florida. And, you know, they had guys – they've had guys committed to them that have changed their mind as well. Uh, I believe uh, one of the inter- 
I'm a Torbebe player from your region, was committed to Missouri for a while and, and ended up changing his mind there. Uh, I think being in the SEC and being as competitive, competitive as they've been in recent years has given them a little bit of gusto, but you and I touched on this last week. You can't just come into Florida. Florida is a click as far as recruiting goes and start recruiting high-level athletes right away. You almost have to work your way in. Uh, like you said, you have to offer the right players. Florida is a state where you can get blackballed. Uh, that's not like a fairy tale. That's not a thing recruits, recruiting people talk about. Um, it's, <laughs> it's, it's guarded. Uh, you have to know the right high school coaches. You have to know the right handlers, whether you uh, like it or don't like it. It's just the way the game's played down here. And You can't just start recruiting Florida and start landing talent right away. I don't think it's a thing where you have to work your way in. And Missouri's trying to do that. And, you know, it'll help them significantly if they can uh, get back to being successful. Because this year definitely has not helped. All right, Rob, another guy that you were close to before you were here in the southeast with us. You were out uh, on the west coast a little bit. You lived in Phoenix for a while and were covering the west. Then you moved to Dallas. One of your favorite recruits probably of all time, I'm just speaking for you, would be Kyle Allen, the quarterback at Texas A&M. Seems like you guys had a great relationship. You loved him. All of a sudden, he finds himself, I guess, third string. I mean, at the game against Auburn the other night, he didn't even come in off the bench when Kyler Murray got hurt. Now the question is, is he injured? There's been some talk about that. Personally, I, I once I saw that happen, I said to myself, Kyle Allen's got to be gone. He's a sophomore. He's got two years left. He could transfer somewhere and sit out or maybe even transfer back home and try to, to get a waiver or something like that. But wh what's your take on the way Kyle Allen's been, been treated there at Texas A&M? Do you think he's going to leave? You know, I could see him leaving, uh, especially if this goes the way that it's trending with Kyler and, and everything that's happening there. Because uh, Kyler's a talented kid, a kid that could be on the field playing at a number of different schools, I think, including Arizona State um, and some other schools as well. I don't want to get too far into speculating where Kyle Allen may land because he has not left Texas A&M. So he could very well be at Texas A&M. Um, I know that you think he didn't get a fair shake there. I think that he got some time to showcase himself. I don't think that he was by any means railroaded by Kevin Sumlin or anything like that. Uh, you know, he didn't get the job done. There's a reason that they benched him. But to a certain extent, I think he's also, I think, and this happens with, with quarterbacks all the time, you get associated with losing, uh, even if it's not completely your fault. And, you know, I can draw on, on some, some personal experience here. I, I was covering Kansas State when Josh Freeman was there. Uh, who ended up, you know, being an NFL quarterback, and I thought was a really great college quarterback. Kansas State fans hate that guy, and not because he was a bad quarterback. He's probably one of the better quarterbacks in Kansas State history. A big arm, great, talented kid. They hate him because they associate him with losing, and I think maybe that's going to happen to Kyle Allen. Uh, it doesn't matter how talented you are sometimes. If you get associated with a certain era or a certain, uh, you know, larger picture, especially get associated with losing somehow, fans will turn on you, and when fans turn on you and the media turns on you and you start getting associated with things you don't want to be associated with just because you happen to be there when things went south, uh, that's when you can you can start not getting getting a fair shake, and I think that goes back to what you think about Kyle, and you don't think he got a fair shake, do you? Well, he, here's why I don't think he did because he came in last year, essentially saved their season, right? I mean, when when Kenny transfer went in the in the tank, he came in and got it done, essentially saved the season. He comes in this year, they start out great. He has a couple bad games, you know, especially the game where I think you know he, he what does he go one for seventeen or something during a stretch in a game? That's bad. Now they bench him and they put in Murray, who who really didn't do a whole lot better. Then when they play South Carolina, they decide to make the change. Now, they make the change there against one of the worst teams in the SEC, and all of a sudden, of course, of course things are going to go well in that game. I mean, that's a, you think if Kyle Allen played that game, they wouldn't have beat South Carolina by a touchdown? I mean, I think they would have. 
I think the main problem Texas A&M has is they, they, they can't really seem to establish a running game. And when you're in the SEC, especially in the West, you have to be able to run the ball. So, the, you know, Kyle Allen is not a super mobile guy. He's not like Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray's an athlete. Uh, and but but you know the concern about him has always been his size and here he is he comes out obviously he took a, a blow to the head on a you know an unfortunate play but regardless he was hurt and he's out of the game so I, I just and I just don't see how you can't go back to Allen in that situation that uh, and I just I, I love Kyle Allen as a player I thought coming out he was by far the number one quarterback in terms of the guy I thought I would want to start my team with. I just don't know about the fit at Texas A&M, and maybe it's because he doesn't bring that dual threat aspect to the thing like like Murray does. That, I mean, that may be it. This is <laughs> I, this is a little bit unrelated. I don't want to derail this thing before we move on, but this story is just always stuck with me, and I just think it's kind of funny. Uh, and I can probably tell it now that they're both playing college football. Uh, when you're at the Five Star Challenge, I think it was two years ago, the Five Star Challenge, Kyle Allen was putting on what was maybe the best camp performance of any quarterback I've seen or seven on seven performance. I think he was like 24 for 24 or something to start his first couple seven on seven games was completing every pass he threw. And I was standing next to Josh Rosen, who is now the great freshman quarterback at UCLA at this time when this is going on. And Rosen kind of known for his kind of confidence and his bravado. And he's watching Allen do this. And I'm in awe of Allen at this point, watching him hit receivers. And Rosen turns to me and goes, is that Kyle Allen? And I'm like, yeah, it is. He goes, Man, I thought he'd be a little better than this. <laughs> I mean, I've lost him. I mean, he's dead serious. And, you know, it says a lot about Rosen, I think. Rosen's got that confidence, and he's been great. But for some reason, when I think of Allen, that's like the definitive story for me. It just cracks me up. Well, Texas A&M fans kind of feel probably the same way right now. <laughs> yeah, maybe they should call up Josh. Uh, I guess we should move on to, uh, to last week, uh, which is what we do around here. Uh, where were you uh, over the weekend watching games, Woody? Well, I stayed close to home here in Atlanta. Got a chance to go out and see uh, 2017 quarterback Davis Mills, a guy that we kind of talked touched on a little bit last week on the show. Highly ranked guy, uh, pro style quarterback, and you know it, it was it was sort of weird because his coach really doesn't let him throw the ball that much. And you know we're sitting there, me and uh, our producer Nick Kruger, just sort of I don't know frustrated I guess with with what was going on in terms of just them insisting on running running and then letting him throw it on third and 12 his team's down two touchdowns in the second half and then all of a sudden he takes he takes uh the restraints off of him and starts letting him throw it around next thing you know you know they come back they take the lead the other team scores with them with I think about a minute and 20 seconds left okay you know they're down they need a, they need a, a field goal to win the game and Mills leads him down the field, 80-yard drive, had two timeouts, didn't use any, either one of them, and scored with 12 seconds on the clock. And, I mean, it was really – we see, and I wrote this in my recap after the game, we watch guys in the NFL, we see Tom Brady or, I mean, even Tony Romo earlier this year lead those drives at the end of games where they're going hurry up, no huddle. And, of course, that happens in the pros, and we kind of get spoiled by it. That never happens in high school. I mean, to try to lead a drive – down the field and like command the offense at the line of scrimmage. You don't see high school players do that. And that's exactly what Mills did. I mean, I was super impressed with him. I mentioned, I already think, you know, he's already obviously ranked as one of the top guys in the country. I think he's number 52 overall, but it it just amazes me that some of these sec schools haven't offered the kid. I mean, you know, he's a guy that's got, you know, Stanford, uh, UCLA, Michigan, Michigan state, all as his, you know, as his options, but, I mean, the schools down here in SEC country have largely ignored him. So, 
you know, I, I guess, you know, the fans will often say to me, do you think you know better than SEC coaches? And I'm, this time I'm going to have to say yes. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I just don't see why they don't like him. I, how can you, how can, and, and the thing is, we don't see coaches at games anymore. Do you, I mean, obviously you saw them on IMG, but do you, do you see coaches out on the sidelines anymore? I, even compared to a couple of years ago, I don't see as many. Yeah, you know, I do. Um, not it's it's probably gone down a little bit, I think. But you know, I saw even just this weekend, uh, the entire Miami had multiple co- coaches at, at St. Thomas when I was there. Uh, Virginia had a guy, but I guess they were in town playing. Uh, had a guy go for prep while I was there this weekend. Uh, I think it's spottier than it was, but I mean, they're still coming out and and, and standing on sidelines. But I don't know how much you glean because every time I see college coaches. At these games, they're sitting there talking to me or talking to other people. They're not scouting. I don't know what they're doing. Like they're not. They're barely watching these games. Like I think they're just coming to come and, and network because their eyes are very rarely on the field. <laughs> I don't know if you've noticed that. Yeah, yeah, like a, there's supposedly these scouting trips, but they're not watching. There's a lot of <laughs> there's, there's a lot of phone checking going on uh, these games, and and that's the thing is people. Some maybe fans don't realize we talk to coaches. I mean, it's part of our job. Uh, so for us too, when we're at games, it gives us a good chance to meet some guys we might not otherwise know, and they can tell us how underranked all their players are, which is a common, yeah. Oh, you you know who you know who I like best? One of my commits. It's like, oh, <laughs> yeah. oh, really? I didn't think you liked him, Coach. Oh, he's way better than so and so that I, I was. I was trying. This weekend, to I was. Couldn't. <laughs> I went. I went. Uh, I went two games in the same day in cities that were an hour apart on Friday. Uh, I did go over prep. I saw a million Miami commits. Uh, in both of those games, you know, Gover Prep's got a bunch of them, uh, and St. Thomas uh, also has some. And uh, again with Flanagan, um, so you know, my, my weekend was interesting. I ran into, like I said, there were Miami had two or three coaches out at, at those games, scouting those kids, and and it's interesting um, how they've been able to hold this class together despite not having a coach in place. <laughs> I think this program is kind of recruiting itself in the way that everybody assumes that whoever they get is going to be great. Um, so I think everybody's kind of operating under the assumption that this program is innocent until proven guilty. If they make a fumbling hire, a flood of players are going to hit the market. Uh, if they hire Mario Cristobal or somebody of the sort, then they will probably retain these guys talking to the players that I talked to this weekend anyway. That's what it sounds like to me. Well, you wrote, you actually wrote a story about it where you talked to a lot of the kids and they, they, they came up with some weird names. I think Ray Lewis was on there, which obviously he's not going to be the guy. I talked to some people I know down in Miami. Right? Look, I don't want to sell anybody out on that, so I won't name names. But, you know, I was I talked to some of these kids in person, and I needed to supplement that information. So I was uh, hitting some kids up via text asking them for their opinions. And everybody was giving their opinions. Uh, and one guy who was committed to Miami. <laughs> oh, man, this is almost hard to hear. Uh, I asked him, you know, who, who they thought they should hire, and he responds with Sean Taylor. Oh, <laughs> like, oh, yeah, man. Uh, what exactly is too soon? Yeah. So I, I don't know if you misunderstood the question. I sent you the screenshot because I couldn't really believe it when it happened. Um, but so, yeah, there were some odd answers. But the answer that prevailed most, I think, was Crystal Ball at Alabama. We touched on this last weekend. Uh, to the high school coaches one here, our Miami site, Gary Furman runs that down here. Uh, it's a poll of high school coaches, and they all, the consensus was crystal ball. I asked 15 or 16 commits and recruits, and the consensus there seemed to be crystal ball. Uh, it's all about the administration and if they'll do it, because I think they can get him if they want him. It's not like he's going to shun them. Yeah. Um, it's just about if they'll target him. Well, and it just goes to show that uh, how much these kids actually know what's going on. We hear it discussed so much in the non-recruiting media, like, oh, well, recruits, what are recruits going to think? Recruits... 
don't really know what's going on half the time, or they're just sort of on the outside looking in. And when the name comes up, they'll say if they like him or not. But you know, they like you said, they're suggesting Ray Lewis. Yeah, well, here's the thing, dude. Recruits, it's our job to pay attention to this stuff in the media. Recruits are worried about prom dates and <laughs> how they're going to get in the video game and, 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 and how to beat their buddies in Madden and things that kids are worried about, you know, and like cleaning their room or whatever happens these days with children. They're not worried about which who's the hot offensive coordinator at Alabama. That's for dorks like us, you know? <laughs> right. So, so yeah, when people are like, what are recruits going to think about this? Well, I'll tell you what, recruits aren't going to think about this. Recruits are going to think about the jeans that Kelly in civics class was wearing last week. <laughs> they're, they're not interested in this stuff. Yeah, they're worried about their Snapchat story uh, and not putting, <laughs> not putting concert footage on there. Uh, so, <laughs> well, so, so your take still, you know, based on the people I talk to, it's either going to be Butch Davis or Cristobal. And that's, that comes from somebody that's, you know, well dialed into the program that I talked to. Uh, do you really see them bring, we talked a lot about Cristobal last week, but do you really see them bringing Butch Davis back? Would they do that? I don't know. I, like I said, I haven't really, I mean, I don't have anything to lean on here. I haven't had those kind of conversations with the people that are making those hires, but just me looking at it from the outside, I can't see that. It just—it's so rare to bring back a guy. <laughs> I, I just—I I think Crystal Ball's the higher. I don't see what would hold it up. I, it, it's unless there's something that happened behind the scenes there where the administration is not in favor of him. It almost seems like a no-brainer. But usually, you know, when things seem like no-brainers, things go in opposite directions. All right, so let's get to this uh, to the game of the week, and of course the playoff, the college football playoff standings. Uh, once again, Alabama continuing to troll a nation despite <laughs> despite beating LSU in pretty convincing fashion. But the people are still angry because obviously Alabama's got a loss. Now, I don't even know if Ole Miss is ranked anymore after after they lost that crazy game to Arkansas this weekend. Uh, Clemson's number one. Do you, do, I mean, what did you think of that? I mean, are, are you paying attention to those rankings at all right now? I think Clemson's the best team in the country. I, watching them, I, I, I agree that they're number one. I, you know, <laughs> just watch, they seem like the most complete team. Um, they've, they've got the quarterback play. They've got it up front. They've got playmakers. They play good enough defense. I don't think that they're you know a, a dominant defense by any stretch of the imagination. But I think they're the most complete team. They're the most well-rounded team, and they deserve that top spot. I'm more interested in Alabama at number two just because of how mad it makes everybody. <laughs> I wish Alabama could be one, two, three, and four just to watch you know just <laughs> just to watch the chaos. Okay, I'm what? telling you, I've said this before. It's like the Yankees. People just like shudder at the thought of them <laughs> being included, no matter what. And it, it just makes me so happy. What are the chances now? If Alabama wins out, wins the SEC championship, what are the chances that they go in number one and pass Clemson? I mean, what and and, and would the internet break if that happened? I think the chances are high, and the internet would break if that happened. It's the power <laughs> of the SEC. Uh, you know, if you <laughs> you can say what you want about the SEC and if it's overrated or not, and it is sometimes. You know, I agree with that sometimes. But guess what? In the eyes of the committee, it is an all-powerful juggernaut. And if it is in the eyes of the committee, then it is in the eyes of everybody else because their opinions are the only ones that matter. I mean, we can get on Twitter and complain and complain and complain, but guess what? Nobody cares. <laughs> okay. So, so last week we picked our games of the week. Of course, I was correct on both games. I would like to, the record to show that. You picked LSU to win. I don't know what you were thinking. Uh, picking against almighty Alabama. Um but now this week, Alabama plays Mississippi State, and I have a feeling like this is a little bit of a trap game. Do you get that, like the sense that maybe this is going to be closer than people think? 
depends how close people think. I think Alabama by more than a touchdown. Really? See, I, I don't know because let's keep in mind that Alabama and Tennessee played a really close game just the week before. It was clear that Alabama was maybe looking ahead a little bit to this to this game against LSU. Now we have the letdown factor. I believe it's look, look man. If Alabama's offensive line plays the way that it played against LSU against Mississippi State, they're going to score on almost every drive. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I just there's just no way. I, I, I mean, I just don't see Mississippi State being able to keep up with the scoring. Uh, maybe it's one of those things where this team, this Alabama team, is finally clicking. I just can't see them matching up talent for talent with Alabama, especially up front, and that's going to be a real problem. All right, so that's Rob's pick. I I also pick Alabama, but like I said, I think it's. I don't know what the spread is. I'm not. Uh dialed into the gambling lines but if it's if it's if it's double digits i for sure take a mississippi state so uh now moving on to our final segment of the day rants and recommendations this one seemed to be a major hit with people uh, except for andrew bone who unfortunately uh came out on the short end of the stick uh i did not see just to follow up for those of you i know that are wondering no concert footage this week from andrew did you did you see any no but he did text me after listening to the podcast and was taking it out on me and I'm like man either our voices sound the same or <laughs> he's just this scared of you or like, I don't know why I got why I got yelled at about it it's not on me coach I've been I've been known to yell at bone from time to time so maybe he didn't want to come come to me but okay so I'll start us off first I'll give a recommendation that since I ranted last week and I also have a rant of course I have a rant several times a week but uh yeah, it's kind of your thing yeah Nathan for you it's a, it's a show on Comedy Central it's been on a couple of seasons now it's not a new show uh, basically, we have Nathan Fielder, who is a guy that uh, has been a writer on several different shows over the years, and uh, he, he fashions himself to be a business expert because he uh, majored in business when he was in college. And so on this show, he goes around and helps uh, small businesses with sort of wacky ideas on how to turn things around, and he's just essentially playing a prank on them the entire time, and he really preys on people, and it's super awkward. Is this the Dumb Starbucks show? Yes, yeah, he's the guy. There you go. He's the guy who came up with Dumb Starbucks. So Yeah, that got some pub. Uh, well, he does a lot of things that get that surprisingly get a lot of pub. And I mean, this past week he, he uh, was helping a moving company, and uh, his plan was to scam people into thinking it was a workout program, so they would work for free for the moving company. And uh, <laughs> he had a guy. He had a guy go. I mean, this guy went on like twenty-five different TV shows, lying, saying oh, he lost all this weight doing this workout program, even though it was a total scam. So very funny. It's not a serious show. It's a comedy, but it's him, him playing the straight man the entire time. So I, I really enjoy it. Um, and then. Of course, my rant. Boy, Rob, did you watch the Clemson-Florida State game? I did. Did you I see? I did. Well, you know, Clemson's got a walk-on wide receiver. I don't know if you've heard, but he is super scrappy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it was just really the first one there, last one to leave. I mean, all the coaches rave about, you know, it really got a mind for the game. And of course, really knows the playbook. Right. I mean, this kid, boy. They must have called him Scrappy Five. Oh, Jim Rat, Jim Rat, Jim Rat. They called him a couple times uh, too. And you know, I really like Chris Fowler. Uh, he was the one kind of leading the charge there. We got to get away from these lazy stereotypes when it comes to, to to white wide receivers. I mean, come on, guys. Like we can't call, we can't compare everyone to Wes Welker. I mean, you know, Rob and I are out watching guys play football all the time. We see other people do it. We, I try so hard not to do it. I'm not afraid to compare you know, uh, somebody cro across racial lines. 
But and, and it's just like we can't just sit here and describe every single white player as heady. You know, first one, first one there, last one to leave. It's just it's getting super old, don't you think? It's been old for, and you're not the first person to uh, push back against this. It's been old for years. I'm, I'm going to even take it a step further and stop comparing football players to other football players. In the middle of like something that I write, I'm going to be like, that guy really reminds me of Mr. T. <laughs> see, how, see how that goes over. He's a real white wide receiver. Kind of reminds me of Master P. Yeah, he's a real he, no, he's a real Hulk Hogan type. Um, <laughs> Um, he, Start comparing linemen <laughs> to professional wrestlers. <laughs> you, you know what? If you're familiar with it, he's got the hips of Yokozuna. You know, speaking of which, actually, uh, Mike got mad at me one time. Mike Farrell, our fearless leader, got a little mad at me one time for comparing Ben Cleveland to uh, the Big Show, um, who was a you know because Ben Cleveland is a monster. I you know physically now I just compare him to the Mountain from Game of Thrones, which doesn't seem to catch as much ire. But I guess he's a little sensitive about his size and didn't like didn't like being compared to to pro wrestlers. So be careful. Hey man, I'm our resident pro wrestling expert. The Big Show is an athlete. The Big Show is a college basketball player at the Wichita State University before becoming a uh, professional wrestler. Bet you didn't know that. No, I did not. All right, well, let's hear yours, Rob. Now, my recommendation for the week is another comedy. Um, it's a Tina Fey vehicle on Netflix uh, called The Unbra- Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, which I think is one of the funniest uh, comedies I've seen in, in some time. It's uh, in the mold of 30 Rock. So if you like 30 Rock, uh, it's like I said, it's another Tina Fey vehicle. You really, really like Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt. It's kind of an out-there premise. It's about a uh, woman that was held captive by a cult leader underground and was convinced that the world <laughs> was convinced by the uh, cult leader that the world had ended. Uh, so she escapes this thing, and she was being lied to by the cult leader, who was played by none of our boy John Hamm. Um, so it's an out there comedy. It's real, real bizarre. But you know, if you like that kind of thing and you like Thirty Rock, uh, I think you'd really like Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt on Netflix. I don't think I have a rant. I'm trying to stay away from them. Um, oh, boy, boy, Rob, really, t- really, you know, here I go. I, ta- I attack a serious racial issue. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a happier guy than you would, man. No, I, uh, I go about my day whistling and, 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 and looking up at the clouds. What's your take on uh, hotel rooms? <laughs> <laughs> I like I like them to have beds. Oh geez, yeah, that's that's a different story for a different time. But uh, hey, don't try to bait me here, woman. <laughs> yeah, listen, you guys don't realize that Rob is a maniac. Uh, he 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 sounds calm here, but when he gets on a serious rant, uh, he really gets going, and we'll we'll get him going eventually. So uh, that does it for this week's show. Of course, our uh, wonderful music brought to you by uh, my close friend M Deuce, my childhood friend, a great music producer. You can find him on SoundCloud. Just search M Deuce. Uh, M. Deuce is the house band. Yeah, well, listen, once, uh, once, once this podcast takes off, uh, Mark will be, uh, his name's Mark, that's what M stands for, Mark will be uh, definitely involved. Of course, the podcast is produced by Nick Kruger, uh, who is also a Rivals videographer. You can find him on Twitter, at Rivals Krug City. Uh, Rob, the podcast is now also on iTunes. Can you believe that? We're, we're, we're legit, right? Uh, now all five of our listeners can find a way to download us and listen to us convenient. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at uh, at uh, Rivals Podcast, and you can email the podcast at RivalsPodcast at Yahoo.com with questions or comments or calling us names or whatever. You can also follow me on Twitter at Cassidy underscore Rob and Woody on Twitter at Rivals Woody. 
All right, remember, subscribe to the podcast. Search iTunes, Commitment Issues. Hit subscribe, even if you're never going to listen to it again. And please leave us an excellent review. Uh, That helps us uh, move up the charts and gets us a little bit more promotion. So uh, thanks, everyone, for listening. Rob, we'll do it again next week, huh? Yeah, I'll be uh, I'll be in Alabama this weekend, so that'll be that'll be fun for everybody. All right, we'll talk to you next week. <laughs>